Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Friday morning, the 30th of July, which we established at the beginning of the last hour, is not the last day of July, but it is the last day of this show in July. There you go. <clears throat> it took us a while to figure that out. It took me a while to figure that out at the, uh, the opening of the first hour. Paul, that might be because um, last night I was up really, really late. We, uh, we identified the threat to the chickens. <clears throat> His name was Bob. He was a cat. He was as big as a German shepherd. Oh, my. Um, yes. And so um, that threat has been eliminated. But then we had to get um, one of our naughty cows actually into the trailer because she's going to leave today. Um, and um, she will return, you know, in packages. And so uh, that took uh, longer last night to call her out. I mean, we only have three cows. So to call one cow out of a three cow herd took surprisingly a long time and then i had to finish all of my plum syrup so cooking that down took longer than um than i imagined but you know it's one of the uh, one of the members of the carmination that supplied to me the plum syrup recipe and let me just say it is delicious oh now this is this would this definitely qualifies as like small batch uh yeah, really small batch. Like you cook it down and you cook it down and you cook it down. And you. so what started with these just mountains of plums mm-hmm. has resulted in, you know, a few small jars of plum <laughs> syrup. But let me tell you, it is really good. Can you do it without but the I fruit? Was up su- but I was totally up super late. So anyway, uh-huh. there you go. And that's why maybe I couldn't figure out that today was <clears throat> Friday. Well. Okay. Um, here are a few things going on. Uh, around the world. I'm going to put these in the pray the news category before we jump to our conversation with Paul Acey, which I'm totally excited about because we are going to do the Olympic uh, movie countdown that we teed up uh, last week. So uh, here are a few headlines for you to be praying today. In the first of what I would expect to be a parade of prosecutions by the Chinese Communist Party cracking down on the people of Hong Kong, a 24-year-old pro-democracy protester has been um, the first to receive a sentence, and it is nine years So, um, for his participation in the pro-democracy movement there in Hong Kong. Three people have been sentenced to prison in Russia. What is their crime? They are Jehovah's Witnesses. Since 2017, this makes 14 Jehovah's Witnesses who have been sentenced to six or more years of prison in Russia, uh, where being a Jehovah's Witness, because of their evangelistic efforts, is is considered an extremist group. And so want us to be, you know, praying on that front as well in terms of religious freedom around the world. You heard the headline news about the Hyde Amendment. The House of Representatives has passed a package of spending bills this week that do not include um, the restriction of the Hyde Amendment, which restricts federal dollars, your tax dollars, um, 
to be used for abortions, not only in the U.S., but abroad. This marks the first time in decades that the Hyde Amendment uh, has not been included in uh, in the House spending bill. Now, I will say that in the equally divided Senate, um, this probably doesn't have a chance, but we ought to be praying in that direction anyway. Um, and one good news story, the first welcome home flight from Afghanistan has touched down, arrived on U.S. soil on board, 221 Afghans. Uh, these are people, these are interpreters and their families. These are people who have materially assisted the United States in efforts in Afghanistan over the past 20 years. Um, they are fearful, rightfully so, of uh, of retaliation by the Taliban as the uh, as America pulls out of Afghanistan. And so on this first flight are Afghan interpreters and their families, including 57 children and 15 babies in arms. Mm-hmm. There you go. I think it's a good news story because you know me. I am like the welcome wagon girl. So uh, these people have been our friends, they've been our colleagues, and we are doing the right thing um, on this front. So I view that as a good news story today. Let's be praying for um, their joyful assimilation into the United States of America, which they already love and for which they have fought. All right, Paul Acey is up next from Focus on the Families, Plugged In. We'll be right back. is back from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Welcome back, sir. Thank you so much for having me. I want to know more about your cows. <laughs> you, you mentioned that you have a disobedient cow and you shipped her uh, off? She's, she's so naughty. So, okay, so here, very quickly, here's the whole story. So we had two steers, um, which we were raising, you know, for meat for our family. And then um, uh, about a year ago, I mean, so they're, they are just over a year old now. Or I don't know, something like 16 months. So, uh, about a year ago, um, a third cow showed up at our pasture and she was circling the pasture like she's trying to get in. And so, Just you know, we're up. gracious. Yeah, we're gracious. We're hospitable. We let her in. And then we found, you know, who she belongs to. She belongs to a farmer down the road. Um, and they they had actually moved and she got left behind because she would not be corralled by the cowboys who were hauling off all of their cows. Now, that should have been an indication to us that she's just a naughty cow. Like, she's naughty. <laughs> so anyway, um, so we named her Ribette, which is like, you know, ribeye girl version. And um, and she took up with our steers and they and they get out from time to time. And so everybody uh, who who is with us, you know, on a regular basis, knows that the cows got out on the Monday that we were literally off the grid hiking in Colorado. So we didn't even know. And so we got back. They'd been out then for several days. They'd wandered down the road into the field of uh, a farmer who actually has uh, currently 70 um, acres of corn, more than 10 feet high. And they had gotten into the corn. And we had no idea how we were going to get them back. And so um, suffice it to say, after much labor and... probably paying off the farmer, the corn farmer, uh, (laughs) for some losses. Um, We got the cows back this past Monday. And that is when the conversation began about exactly when, when can Ribot, uh, when can Ribette, um, you know, head off to her uh, final glory. And today (laughs) is that day. Well, getting her culled out from the other 
from our little tiny herd was a challenge. And then getting her into the trailer was even a greater challenge because let's just say she's naughty. There's just no two words about it. She is a naughty cow. Um, But there you go. She will truly be grass fed and grass finished because she's getting no corn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it does sound like she's a bad influence. If you let her she's loose, totally, she might start she's, like a cow rebellion. You know, a she's big so cow naughty. Rebellion. Oh yeah, she's so naughty. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about. I have seen um, the uh, the ads for the Jungle Cruise. I am I am drawn in. I'm intrigued. Yes. Well, how could you not be? I mean, the Jungle Cruise might be one of the best rides at the Disney parks, right? I I remember loving the, the Disney Cruise when I was younger. I actually still do. Um, the movie is not quite as good as the ride mm. is. Now, it still is fun. It still has a plenty of terrible puns, which I really appreciate. Um, and it has some, some fantastic people at its helm. You know, Emily Blunt, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you can't get a better duo than that, right? But at the same time, the, the movie came with some issues that I was not expecting. I was I was sort of expecting, even though this is a, a PG-13 rated film, I was expecting something closer to PG, a little more uh, kid-friendly, if you will. But there's some darkness to this movie. You have uh, some some undead conquistadors that, that can be very, very scary. Um the Emily Blunt's character's brother who comes along for the entire ride, he's gay. So you have a reference to that, that, that some parents might want to be aware of. Um, and there's a, there's a pretty big body count. Now there's no blood to speak of, but yeah, the bodies do start stacking up. It's not, it's not superhero movie level of violence, but yeah, you're going to be seeing some, some dead people every once in a while. So because so gonna... of all these issues, it's 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 sort of one of those mixed bags, you know. It's a fun mm-hmm. ride, and yet there's some rapids along the way. <laughs> all right, we're going to send um, listeners to PluggedIn.com to read the review of Resort to Love, which is out on Netflix. But I'd love for you to um, reflect a little bit on Nine Days, which is in theaters. Man, I tell you what, nine days. It is in in limited release now. It'll be in wider release next week. Honestly, Carmen, this might be one of my favorite movies of the year. And I say that from sitting in a plugged-in seat and and talking about an R-rated movie. Uh, it's it's rated R for language, um, it, but it's meant for adults. It's a very uh, it's it's almost a poem of a movie, if you will. It's this existential journey um, where this guy named Will he sits in this land just filled with sand and sky, and he he essentially is this gatekeeper to life. He actually judges would-be souls before they become alive. And the Mm. interview process, the quote-unquote interview process, takes nine days. Um, It's a a fascinating movie. He talks a little bit about... um, As you know, you are being considered for the amazing opportunity of life. And so it's really a rumination on life itself. It talks a lot about the pain and the struggles and and the horrors that sometimes come with, with the lives that we lead. But it reminds us how beautiful it can be, how glorious it can be. You know, these these souls that come across, they would give almost anything 
for just three minutes of life to feel the wind in their hair, to feel the sand in their feet as they're walking along the beach. It reminds us, this movie is is really very, very spiritual. It's not religious, so to speak. It doesn't have like a Christian viewpoint, but it's very spiritual. And it reminds us that life is a gift. It's a treasure that we've been given and that uh, that. If we just open our eyes, even in this fallen world, we can still see Eden all around us. Yeah, so it's one of those movies that um, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna watch it, just recognize that you know Paul and I are gonna just come right out and say like we recognize that it's extra biblical. We recognize it's not Christian. We recognize that uh, you know souls prior to life being interviewed is. Not something that Heather talks about. <laughs> so, like, we get that. We get that. There's no need to text or email us um, about that uh, theological point. We we understand that. Um, I think that uh, what we're trying to talk about here is can we, as Christians, consume a beautiful movie, um, albeit R-rated, so, you know, that comes with a big warning label, um, you know, for us to consider in conversations with others. All right, Paul Acey and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, he took up the assignment last week, the challenge, and you can now go to PluggedIn.com and read five of the best Olympics movies for families. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, Paul AC has made a list for us. You can find it at PluggedIn.com. Dot com. Paul, let's run through five of the best Olympic movies for families. Man, I tell you what, Carmen, if we talked every week, I don't think I would ever <laughs> have to think of a new blog idea ever. This was a great <laughs> idea that we talked about last week. I, it was so much fun to write. Um, the, the movies that I chose, these are the best family-friendly movies that I could find. Um, obviously, I, Tanya, did not make the cut. But we do start off with Chariots of Fire, which we talked a little bit about. Uh, Academy Award-winning movie from 1981, a little bit slow, but a very, very beautiful movie with a fantastic message sort of boiled into it. Uh, Race is about the Jesse Owens story, and it talks. It focuses a lot on his, uh, his 1936 uh, ground-breaking uh, Olympics where he uh, he showed up Adolf Hitler in the Nazi Germany with four gold medals. Uh, Broken actually takes place during the very same Olympics. It's about Louis Zamperini, uh, based on a huge, wonderful bestseller, actually, uh, by Lauren Hillenbrand, I believe. And, of course, the movie focuses more on his experiences in World War II, but, but his Olympic experiences, where he finished eighth in the 5,000-meter race, uh, definitely shows up there as well. And he actually set a record in his final lap there. Um, Miracle. This is a story that uh, that most of us are familiar with. It's the 1980 uh, story of the uh, of the the U.S. hockey team beating the Russians and eventually winning the gold medal. And then, of course, could not forget Cool Runnings about the Jamaican bobsled team and their strive to to not win a medal but just qualify for the Olympics, just to have the opportunity to compete. Um, it was, it was, I do have to say, Carmen, it was a super fun blog to put together. I love looking at some of these movies. Okay, so we appreciate you doing that. Um, I don't know if we have an assignment for you this week, unless it is, <laughs> unless it is something like, okay, we, we need to find a few episodes in the 25, how long has Arthur been uh, a PBS kids show? Like 25 years, 25 something like that. 25 years. 25 yeah, so it's going years. off the air. Incredible. So, 
Yeah, so maybe you could, I don't know, find three or four worthy episodes to talk about. But let's do, um, in, the, in the last couple of minutes that we have left, let's do this post that you have um, at PluggedIn.com. Facebook wants your prayers, literally. It's a fascinating story, I think. Uh, Facebook has has always catered to groups of faith, right? It, it knows that 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 community is found often in 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 faith groups, in churches, and synagogues, in in all these places where people gather to 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 both worship and commune with each other. They're really ramping up their efforts now. They actually had a virtual faith summit with tons of faith leaders. They've introduced for most of their prayer for for their their groups in the United United States, a prayer icon. It's sort of like a like icon, but but it has these hands of prayer just to indicate, yes, I am praying for you. Um, I find the whole initiative, frankly, very, very interesting. And and in some ways, it's it feels like a, a good, positive move. It shows the relevance of faith, of religion, of, of, of God in so many people's lives. But it comes with some danger, you know. I think that that in the past you've had Christian groups. Christianity as a whole has always been very adept at adapting culture and adapting media um, to further uh, to to actually transmit the good news. Um, the Christianity was was a forerunner in in radio and television, and but here the media itself, the social network is out of our control. It's in somebody else's hands. And I think that that always poses a danger uh, when you don't have the ability to to actually hold on to the media in which the message is being uh, transmitted. Um, because the media, the, the, the format that you use to transmit the message, it always impacts the message itself. And I don't think we really know how Facebook is going to to impact the message just yet. I mean, it's we're, we're still pretty early in the game. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops as time goes on. Also interesting to see who is agreeing to sign early contracts, uh, which, yes. which, you know, yeah, which denominations and associations are willing to sign these kinds of contracts and then have um, Absolutely. Sub- subscription services that they're then paying for, even though the churches own none of the content. It's it's an interesting. I mean, it's it's it's, it's an ingenious uh, development for Facebook. Um, yeah. It's a question. It's, it might be you know questionable partnership for local churches. I think it is. I think it really is. Uh, the First Presbyterian Church of USA is, is one of the first people, the first groups that have, have signed up. But but we always have to remember when we go into these partnerships, even though they can be uh, mutually beneficial, we have to understand Facebook itself, they're not interested in spreading the good news. They're not really that interested in the gospel. They're interested in bringing in new people into their service. They're interested in making money. They're interested in knowing who we are. They mine our data. They sell it off to other people. They use it for their own ends. And those are things that we just need to be aware of as we dive into these efforts. All right. Uh, We do have... um... Uh, Lori, who has said, all right, as Paul is doing his assignment on Arthur, maybe he could consider, do you think Arthur ended because, well, they introduced uh, a a character that diverges from traditional sexuality? 
It's a fascinating just, question. It just, it's an interesting question. You could do a it little is. timeline analysis. You know, we don't really know what your job is, so we just feel like giving you things to do. Seems good. Seems good. We just don't want you watching movies all week. We want you doing stuff. So there you go. Exactly. Actually making me work. Thank mm-hmm. you so Something. much, Carmen. Thank you so much. We love having you on. Really appreciate you being here. That's Paul AC. You can find him at Focus on the Families, plugged in.com. We'll be right back. All right, I don't know about you, but back to school is the big talk where I live. Uh, And even if you're trying to put it off, back to school is coming. It's coming soon to a community near you. Uh, And public schools are ramping up. We're going to have a conversation with David Schmoos, president of Christian Educators Association International. What we're hearing from public school teachers and how you and I can support them. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We can calmly take our concerns to God because He is as near as our next breath. This is Max Lacato. This was the reassuring message from the miracle of the bread and the fish. In an event crafted to speak to the anxious heart, Jesus told His disciples to do the impossible, feed 5,000 people. Now you aren't facing 5,000 hungry bellies, but you are facing a deadline in two days, a loved one in need of a cure. On one hand, you have a problem. On the other, you have a limited quantity of wisdom, patience, or time. Typically, you'd get anxious. You'd tell God, you've given me too much to handle. This time, instead of focusing on what you don't have, start with Jesus. Start with His wealth, His resources, and His strength. And before you lash out in fear, look up in faith. Turn to your Heavenly Father for help. This is Max Lakato. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Joining me now, David Schmooze. He's the president of the Christian Educators Association International. You can find David and the association at C-E-A-I-C-E-A-I.org. David, welcome back. Oh, so good to be here, Carmen. I'm, I'm so grateful for a chance to speak to your audience. So I got my uh, my reminder email from a public school teacher this week. Hey, here's the list of supplies we could really use in advance of opening day. Um, and so, you know, it's getting to back to school time. What are you hearing from your members across the country as we quickly approach the 2021-22 school year? Yeah, well, I'm excited that the school year is starting and that it's a chance for teachers to get back in their classrooms and to, you know, restore that sense that, hey, I'm on mission. You know, I'm here to bring the kingdom of God into my into my public school classroom in legal ways. Uh, but, you know, Carmen, what we're hearing from our from our members as they call in is really a lot of a lot of concern. Uh, they're concerned about uh, vaccinations are concerned about masks are concerned about uh, things like critical race theory. They're concerned about um, the transgender issue. And so we're getting a lot of those calls. Um, and, and we are, of course, dealing with those issues. But, uh, you know, part of our job as a ministry is, is to get them to say, hey, yes, those are serious issues and here are some tools. 
But uh, we want you to focus on the fact that God has you there for a reason that, you know, we sometimes think that circumstances are coming against us and we kind of focus on the negative. But but think about rather that God is releasing us into circumstances to bring his kingdom perspective and his kingdom transformation and and to help teachers sort of get that mental switch and to increase our faith and trust to realize that, that hey, I'm here on purpose. God, I'm not, it's not an accident for such a time as this. God has put me in this in this in this school, and uh, I'm gonna let my light shine and see what He does and trust Him. And and but but we're we're asking teachers to to increase their faith in this culture that we live in. Certainly. So when you um, go through that list of concerns that public school teachers, Christians who are serving in public schools, uh, just a reminder to everyone that's who we're talking about when we're talking about Christian Educators Association International. We're talking about. Christians who are serving in public education at all levels, um, who see, you know, public schools as a mission field. And so, you know, I want to talk about how we can support them, how churches and individuals can support teachers and schools in our communities. Um, But I want to circle back, David, for just a moment, because you, that was quite a list of concerns that mm-hmm. teachers have. Um, yeah. Masks, vaccines, uh, critical race theory, sexuality curriculums, re-entry issues, the anxiety that <laughs> students are returning with, some students not coming back. I mean, uh, criticisms all around. Um, yeah. Maybe just, just talk about like how that feels for mm-hmm. those teachers. Yeah, I, think I saw uh, an estimate that there are between one and three million students, um, and and the article said missing from the public schools. And of course, we know that many of those kids are being homeschooled or or, or schooled in other ways. And and of course, um, as Christians, we might hey, that's that's wonderful if those parents are able to do that and 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 provide other options for them. But I know a lot of our teachers are going back to school with heavy hearts because of a lost year of learning for their kids, missing students, um, you know, the ones that got away, and you know. When I was a teacher, I, I, ha, I had a shepherd's heart towards my kids, and and to and to have so many suffering and so many uh, behind, and and so many you know families in fear, and and now you know some districts are saying I've got to you know definitely have a vaccine, and and you know some of our members are fine with the vaccine, but others are not for various reasons, and and or I got to wear a mask, and you know I I just can't see how you can effectively teach with a mask uh, covering your face and the students' faces. You know that's so critical, human connection is at the heart of, of being a good teacher, a good educator. And and so, uh, you know, reg- yeah, I understand the public health concerns. And so I don't want to be insensitive to that. Uh, but uh, to put kids in a classroom all masked up and, and separated is, is not real education. And so, um, you know, on top of that, you know, in many states, they're having to uh, teach, uh, you know, radical sex ed or or deal with the transgender issue. Uh, by the way, we have a we have a website uh, we've dedicated we've built dedicated just to the transgender issue to help uh, not only teachers but uh, school boards and and other people in, in, who have influence in districts and in states. Uh, that's at ceai.org/gender. And uh, that's proven to be a valuable tool for many. Lots of articles from a, not just a faith perspective, in fact, mostly from a, a clinical and therapeutic perspective about uh, why this is doing damage to kids. Uh, in fact, we're seeing um, some some countries in Europe who are now backing away 
from uh, from the perspective that you know teenagers need hormones or or, or gender affirming surgery or um, treatments to uh, to deal with gender dysphoria. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a lot, you know, for these poor teachers, and and so we just want to do our best to pray for them and encourage them. And I know churches can do a, a big part of of doing things uh, to encourage teachers, to to equip them, to support them, to make them feel like they're not alone. And that's a huge part of what, what the need is. So let's talk about some of those practical ideas. I'm thinking um, a church could have some sort of acknowledgement event, even like a commissioning of people who are serving in public schools in a variety of ways, some sort of way of bringing them forward and um, um, blessing them and asking mm-hmm. God to to equip them. Um, you know, almost almost like we do for missionaries going to a foreign field, or maybe there's a way to um, offer a small group at our church, or maybe we could even sponsor a chapter. Talk talk about mm-hmm. talk about that. Talk about that yeah. chapter approach. Well, we we are on the same wavelength, Carmen. I I uh, preparation for this, I, I came up with four different ways, and, and <laughs> number one uh, is uh, pray for them and commission them as missionaries. In fact, uh, moms in Excellent. prayer. Uh, does uh, Bless Our Schools Sunday. We're, we're going to be partnering with them this year to encourage Bless Our Schools Sunday, which is September 19th. So any ch- uh, pastors or church leaders listening to this can plan, hey, September 19th is the day that we're going to uh, have our teachers stand up and pray over them, and there's a video that they can show, and and uh, that information is available through Moms in Prayer and will be available through us shortly. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's an uh, easy way to do that. It doesn't require a lot from churches. Uh, you mentioned uh, chapters. Yes, uh, we do offer chapters and networks through Christian Educators Association around the country. Uh, if there is a teacher out there that wants to start a local chapter, um, <clears throat> we often uh, also encourage what are called lift groups. Uh, lift groups stands for Lasting Impact Fellowship for Teachers, and there's a big story behind that. You can Read about that at uh, CEA, cea.org slash lift-america or lift-america. Uh, lift America, the idea is that you are now gathering teachers on your campus at lunch, after school, before school to pray in fellowship. And, you know, when you realize on your campus that you're not alone, uh, wow, there's so much power in that because no longer you're no longer as afraid to, to let your faith you know, leak out to your students, if you will, in, in legally appropriate ways. And, and so uh, I would really encourage teachers to look at lift groups, uh, churches to encourage them to do so, to provide resources. Uh, maybe churches could buy you know, some pizza or some co- coffee or some snacks or some you know, whatever the case may be uh, to support uh, Christian teachers gathering on their, on their campuses. And I think that would be a huge, uh, a huge lift, if you will, for, uh, for, te- for churches to support teachers. I love that. All right, David Schmoos and I are going to be back in just a moment. I'm going to ask him, um, you know, how do Christian teachers deal with their unions? We hear a lot about the challenge of teachers' unions when teachers' unions don't support um, our Christian values. You know, how does a teacher respond to that? How does a Christian who is a teacher respond to that? I'm going to I'm going to ask David that question in just a moment. We'll be right back. All right. I'm loving the Carmen Nation this morning. Thank you for um, the idea that several of you have um, have posted to me. Hey, people could just buy a gift membership at CEAI for a Christian serving in a public school. That would be one way to support teachers um, who are Christians and serving in public schools as a mission field. Yes, yes, it would. So good idea out there. Thanks for reminding David and I of that. I'm talking 
with David Schmoose. He is the president of the Christian Educators Association International. You can find everything we're talking about today at ceai.org. Um, David, we hear a lot about teachers' unions. Um, we hear a lot about values being expressed through teachers' unions that are not the values that uh, we hold as Christians. Dues are paid to teachers' unions. So talk a little bit about that. What do the dues of a teacher pay for through their union? And do teachers have to pay those dues? Uh, well, that short answer is no, they don't, uh, largely because of a case, a Supreme Court case in 2018 called the Janus case. That's J-A-N-U-S. And the Janus case uh, meant that now teachers do have to give no money to unions. They don't have to join a union. They don't have to join any association. Uh, and, and so before that, if they wanted to leave the union, they could, but they had to pay what are called agency fees or fair share fees. And now that's all gone. And so in a sense, if you want to talk about it in this language, every state is a right to work state uh, in terms of public uh, employees, including teachers. And uh, and that is uh, something that we have fought for for years. And we're, and we're thrilled because, yeah, for years, teachers were required to support things that uh, they don't agree with. In fact, I've documented at uh, CEA.org slash unions, I've documented that um, teachers have been sending millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood over the years. They try to hide it. They try to disguise how it gets there, but but it certainly gets there. Uh, at the at the NEA National Convention recently, they they voted to to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to defend critical race theory and and to do opposition research on groups like the Heritage Foundation and and to oppose capitalism and advance the 1619 Project and. Uh, things like this. And so uh, we see over and over again that the state and national unions especially uh, don't support the values uh, of of many of our teachers. You know, surveys show that 57% of teachers, uh, this is the NEA's own survey, uh, National Education Association, the, the biggest union in the, in the country, their own survey shows that 57% of teachers are either independent, politically independent or Republican, and yet uh, 99% of their, their campaign donations uh, go to Democrats. And so, you know, we don't want to be partisan, but we want to say, hey, you know, teachers associations should represent teachers. Uh, and, and so that's really not happening. And uh, so teachers have options. Uh, they, as I said, they certainly can join Christian educators instead. We offer double the liability insurance that most unions do. We offer uh, protection from a biblical worldview. We offer job action uh, protection that provides a local attorney uh, to protect them in case they, their job is at risk. And so, uh, and we provide, I, I believe we provide great service because we are uh, dependent <laughs> on our members' dues. And unlike unions who have a bit of a monopoly in some cases, get a little, get a little slow and and unresponsive. Uh, we are, are, I believe, very responsive to our members, and we defend them uh, hundreds of times a year. We get cases that require uh, uh, our help for them, and so uh, we'd love to. We'd love to support them and show them a, a path forward that doesn't involve their money going to support uh, going to support these things. All right, David. So um, when we read the headlines of the day, when we know that teachers in our community are are challenged and struggling. Um, maybe just talk about the approach that we take, particularly, I would say, you know, to a school district. Like, I don't want to just show up and be the flamethrower, right? Right. I want to right. find a way as a citizen who does have a child in public school. Um, I support his classroom. I support his teachers. I support his school. But there are larger concerns right, at the district level and then beyond that. How does a regular person approach 
the district or the or the larger conversations? Yeah, you know, some of the things we're seeing in these in these counties, whether it's, you know, Loudoun County in Virginia or some other places is uh, parents are angry. And I understand why they're angry. Um, uh, and, and, you know, in many cases it's appropriate. But when you when you show up at a district office and you just shout and, and protest and, and scream, uh, that often does not advance the, the agenda you want. Rather, if you go w- with a measured, planned approach, uh, you know, based in argument, based in reason, uh, sometimes uh, <laughs> they'll listen to you. Uh, you know, one thing that we're seeing a lot of parents have success with is doing uh, open records requests or freedom of Freedom of Information Act requests, where they do an open records request to their district and they ask, hey, give me everything you have on, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, or critical race theory, or or sex ed, or whatever. And in some of these cases, they're finding uh, lots of smoking guns in emails and memos, et cetera, uh, that they can now go to the school board with and say, hey, do you know this is happening at your district? And and that's a, uh, a very, you know, uh, wise as serpents, you know, <laughs> innocent as doves approach to uh, undoing some of this stuff, but we're seeing success with that around the country. And and I would really encourage parents to um, to think about the possibility of doing that. Teachers, uh, be careful. Uh, you know, you don't want to do that in your own district. Uh, if, if the school board has a sense that you as an employee of the school district are, are campaigning against them, uh, that might not go real well for you. Although there, you know, there are times to stand up. We saw that in Loudoun County um, with a teacher who about the transgender issue, and and uh, he did it respectfully, and the courts so far have ruled in his favor. But um, generally speaking, that's better done by parents. And uh, so we need to pray that God would raise up uh, godly parents in these communities to take these fights to school boards, but in a reasonable, responsible way. And run for school board where you live. Yes. That will be my. Yes. Uh, I will add that to the mix as well. David Schmoose, as always, thank you so much. There are tons of resources at ceai.org. Um, you can find information there about all the things that we talked about today. Um, and let me encourage you to mark down on your calendar September the 19th. Um, and we'll get somebody on from Moms in Prayer to talk about our Bless Our Schools Sunday. That's, uh, that's great for us to know about. Thank you for highlighting that today as well, David. We really appreciate your ongoing ministry. Um, If you guys are looking for specific resources related to gender, uh, particularly the transgender issue, you can find that at ceai.org backslash gender, um, but tons of other great stuff at the website as well. So David, thank you again so much. All right. Happy to be here. Thank you. Fantastic. We'll be right back. Now I'm So we started off this hour talking about uh, milestones and markers. Uh, was that this hour or was that the first hour, Paul? I can't even remember. Uh, that was that first might have been hour, the first actually. hour. Yeah. <laughs> so I got an email from, uh, from a member of the Carmen Nation saying, one of my milestones and markers is Phil Wickham's This Is Amazing Grace. The words walk me back to a point in time in my life when I felt under the power of sin and I felt in the darkness, the opening words of the song, who breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the king of glory, the king above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves the breathless in awe and wonder, the king of glory, the king above all kings. It takes me back to a point in time when I needed God to deliver me from the power of sin and darkness, and he did so in Jesus Christ. This is amazing grace. Thank you for reminding me today 
that that's a milestone and a marker in my life. Thank you for reminding me today that I can declare the goodness and the faithfulness and the presence of God each and every day, and I can live in the context of his amazing grace and unfailing love. He is the King of Kings. He is most worthy to be praised. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. What is a, uh, thank you for that, by the way, what is a milestone and a marker in your life? A place where maybe it is a physical stone that you picked up uh, on a beach or on a path somewhere in the wilderness. Maybe it is, um, maybe it is a broken piece of a taillight, like, right? It could be uh, it could be a reminder of a wreck from which God liberated you. Um, my nephew, Larry, kept um, kept the port. It was a horrible thing when he had to have it inserted into his body as a little child in order to receive his chemo treatments. But you know what? After they took it out years later, he kept it. Why? Because that's a marker. That's a milestone. He's cancer-free. Praise be to God. Um, it was something that he endured, and it is a marker and a milestone. What are the markers and the milestones that you've collected over time? Maybe spend some time today revisiting a few of those. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's a passage of scripture. Um, Maybe it's a physical token. Give God the honor and the glory. Do his name for having delivered you from whatever experience it was that you were in the midst of and having given you whatever great and good, amazing grace that milestone points to. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.